So BCC, we're carrying on with our sermon series called Encounters with Jesus. Please turn with me uh, in your Bibles or on your devices to Luke chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 1. Now, you may remember that the deal and the the idea behind the Encounters with Jesus series is that over the summer, we look at a, a series of different stories where Jesus has an encounter with a person or a group, and then we look at what kind of impact that that has on those people and what kind of sort of transformation takes place. Um, you might remember we began the series with a, a look at the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2, and then we carried on to, I think it was the calming of the storm from Mark chapter 4, uh, and then we looked at that kind of crazy but wonderful story of the healing of the man filled with demons last week, and that was in Luke chapter 8. Um, and then today we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus is a uh, Uh, just a great story. We only find it in Luke. It's only 10 verses long, uh, but let's follow that along, uh, and we'll just read that out together. So it says this, Luke 19, verse 1. Just follow along with me. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's just pray a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide my words my delivery, and that the things you want said today are said, and the things that you want received today are received. I pray that in the power of the Spirit right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, I just want to open with a story. Uh, When I first came out of Bible college, I went to Bible college between 2005 and 2008, and then around about 2008 to 2010, I did a work placement in a church as an assistant or an associate minister in training position. So I was like kind of helping the senior minister, helping on staff and that kind of thing. Um, And one day in 2009, uh, a gentleman came through the doors of the church and he was called Raj and he was from a Sikh family. So he wasn't a Christian and uh, he enjoyed the service and he came and spoke to me at the end and he said this, he said, "Um, so Pastor Nick, what, what does 316 mean? So I said, 316, like 316, is that right? And he said, yeah, I I keep on seeing the number 316. And so he he then said a little bit more about it. He said, uh, so like I'm in traffic and I'm behind a car and I look at the number plate and it's got the numbers 316 on it. Um, And then I'm like at work and they've got this digital clock on the wall and quite a few times I've glanced up and it's 3.16 p.m. Um, And then the other day I was stuck on a, 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 like in a motorway traffic jam and uh, there's this BMW in front of me, and it's got the chrome numbers on the back, 316. 
Uh, and then I go into the supermarket, and they've discounted some, some food, you know, the kind of the Morrison's discount area on a Tuesday night. They've discounted it. And it's now, it's, instead of 4 99 it's £3.16. pence. And I'm like, what is 316? What is going on here? So I thought I'd come to church and ask. And I'm like, and you, know, you know when you get these kind of conversations and you're just thinking, is this a wind-up? Have the youth department sent this man to just see what my reactions are and, and, and what is going on here? And I, I kind of, I managed my face, you know, like how you have to be professional and, you know, rather than launch into some attack on the youth department, I, it did occur to me that this was a genuine thing from the Lord. Because you know what, 316 is, 316 is significant, isn't it? So I said to Raj, okay, listen, 316 is significant. It refers to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him uh, might not perish but have eternal life. One of the, well, it's possibly the most important verse in the Bible. And often we look at it and we, we know J316 or John 316 is super, super important to Christians. Um, uh, so you, you need to understand, Raj, that that's what John 316 is. You know, it's your 316 for us has huge significance. It means that very, very important verse in the Bible. In fact, if you go to Bible Gateway and look at their stats on the most searched verses in the Bible, three, John 316 is like right up there, right at the top. So he then said to me, um, so, so like, what does that mean? And I'm like sort of, I don't know, six months out of Bible college, and I'm thinking, wow, this job's great. I love this. I get to be a pastor. I explain the Bible to people. They walk in off the street and ask me what 316 means. What could be easier than this job? Now, I need to be completely honest with you. It's not that easy some of the time. Can I just point that out? Sometimes the graft needed to pull people into the kingdom is more significant and hard than just somebody walking off the street. However, I was able to say to him, no, I think God is saying to you that you need to become a follower of Jesus, Raj. And he took it at face value. It wasn't a wind-up from the youth department. It was a genuine inquiry. And God had been doing a little miracle of talking to Raj about coming to church. And the 316 was God's communication to Raj to go and find out more. So after a few more weeks and a few more questions, literally it was within three or four weeks, he decided, no, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. And he prayed the prayer. So God had a chat with Raj, and Raj kind of responded to that chat, and he came and made a choice. And the choice was, ah, oh, no, I need to follow Jesus. And then some changes followed in his life. And in fact, I, when I was preparing for this message, I looked up what happened to Raj, and uh, he is, uh, he's a writer now of a Christian blog, and he's married. And so he's gone on this journey ever since 2009 when he walked into the church and just asked me the random question. God had spoken to him, and he'd responded. So I just want to encourage you that sometimes the journey to Jesus is a dead simple one. It's a chat, a choice, and a change. A chat, a choice, and a change. And that's exactly what happens with Zacchaeus. He has a chat with Jesus. Uh, he arrives at a, a, a decision point. He has to make a choice. And then there are some changes that follow. Say it with me. A chat, a choice, a change. And put it on the feed if you want to. That would be great. A chat, a choice, and a change. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. 
And that made him pretty unpopular. And the reason that he was unpopular, I, I think being a tax man is a hard thing, or a tax woman, hard job, because, you know, you're at a party, someone says to you, what do you do? Oh, collect taxes. You know, and, and it's, it's not like that socially delightful thing to bring out, is it? But actually, we all need it to be done, and it actually serves society really well. However, it's not the most popular role. And in Roman times, what Zacchaeus did was he collected taxes for the Roman occupying rulers that ruled over Israel. So there was a double pain there. Not just, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was also a tax collector for the occupying foreign imperial power who ruled over Israel at that time. And so there was this extra pain to having to hand your taxes over to Zacchaeus. Uh, and you can imagine the insults, that the, the best way to insult somebody in Jewish society is to attack their ancestry. And so they would have said, um, well, you're no son of Abraham. How could you do this to us? Taking our livelihoods, giving it to the Romans. You're a, you're a traitor. They would have been very, very nasty to Zacchaeus, there's no doubt. And we know that there's a hint of that and that Jesus restores that at the end of the story because he says, this too is a son of Abraham. He puts him back into that Jewish place that actually he does deserve and he, where he belongs. So we know that that's true. Um, in addition to being a tax collector and gathering money for the Romans, he was short. Okay? Now that... Is a, is a difficult, uh, you know, thing for, for, for someone to run with. You know, when you're really, really short, you can't see over the crowd, you're constantly looking up, people literally look down on you because you're little, um, people assume that you're less in stature and less in character just because of your physicality. It's, it's not a nice thing. And if, for those of us who are a bit shorter, I'm kind of average height, so I'm kind of lucky. My son George seems to have grown really tall and I think he's going to hit six foot. Did you know, complete aside, George has actually got size feet that are, are the sum total of mine and Chloe's size feet. <laughs> so I'm a size seven and a half, and Chloe's size five and a half, and he's got size 13 feet. George, if you're watching on the live stream, stop drinking all that milk. It's, it's, it's really not doing you any good. So fine if you're tall, fine if you're medium, but Zacchaeus was short. And that meant that he couldn't see what he needed to see. And so you're a tax collector, you're short, you're being abused by your countrymen because you're a, seen as a bit of a traitor. Doesn't seem like a great set of ingredients. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is someone who's worked out that money isn't everything. Now, why do I say that? The reason I think that that's true to say is because he was really interested in finding about finding out about who this Jesus was. Now, if you're someone that's totally sold out on money, that's all you pursue, that's all you worship, that's all you're up for, well, why would you go and see Jesus? You, you don't have a need to do that. You'd be out collecting more taxes. You'd be out lining your nest a bit more. This is a man who's realized that wealth isn't everything that it's all made out to be. There's an openness in Zacchaeus, and there's a search still going on in Zacchaeus's mind and heart. And he wants to find the answer to that. And he's prepared to run down the road when this celebrity comes to town who's called Jesus and actually climb a tree in order to overcome the shortness so that he could see Jesus and have a glimpse of his kind of hero or, or this person that he wants to see as he goes past. Uh, and, and just notice that actually Zacchaeus is an enterprising guy. You know, he, this is a person who really wants to make this happen. Uh, you know, sometimes we get surprised by the, the, uh, the insistence and the desire and the interest that people who haven't yet met Jesus show us in their journey to meeting Jesus. They almost put us to shame, don't they? They're like, I want to climb a tree. Um, I want to do this. I want to do that. Get me to Jesus, please, because I really need to meet with him. 
Have you ever noticed in this story something odd as well? Jesus arrives in the position uh, uh, as the crowd draw near to this tree, looks up in the branches and says, the first word out of his mouth is Zacchaeus. Have you noticed this? In uh, verse uh, 5, it says, Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. How did Jesus know his name? Like he's not met Jesus before, otherwise that would come out in the story. You know, this would be about Zacchaeus meeting Jesus for the second time. So they've, they've never met each other, have they? So just, I just want to put that to you. How does Jesus know his name? Now you can think about that this afternoon over your roast dinner. I think it's because God has told him that he's going to have an encounter. This is, God has told Jesus in prayer that he's going to have an, an encounter with a guy called Zacchaeus and he needs to go and find him. Uh, that's what I think. Now, it may be that actually in the crowd, somebody nudged Jesus and said, oh, no, that's Zacchaeus, take no notice of him. You know, what's he doing up a tree? I'm open to that. And I'm, I'm putting a guess here out before you. It's not in the text, so it's an imaginative guess. But there's something quite immediate that Jesus seems to know that he's going to have a meeting with Jesus, a meeting with Zacchaeus, sorry, and it's going to happen. And in fact, he says, um, he says in the text as well, I must stay at your house tonight. The word in the Greek there is day, and it means uh, something that God has ordained. There's an imperative to it that God set up in the events of time, in order that God's will will be done. I must come and see you, Zacchaeus. Uh, this is mo- so I think this is much, much more than just a chance encounter. This has been set up by God. God has told uh, Jesus who to expect and look out for, and his name is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus has kind of run on ahead, and there's a meeting, a kind of a divinely ordained meeting. It, there's an urgency to this encounter. So I want to talk to you about a chat, a choice, and a change. That's a little bit about Zacchaeus. That's a little bit about my friend Raj, who had a conversation with God, with 316. And then he had a choice to make, and then there were some changes that followed. And I want to talk to you about a chat, a choice, and a change in relation to Zacchaeus this morning. The first thing that happens in 99.9% of our uh, journeys to Jesus is some kind of conversation, isn't it? Am I right, BCC? You know it, don't you? Now, as uh, Leon was saying to me one time ages ago that uh, something he used to do was get on the buses and uh, sometimes give the gospel on the top deck. And man, you're so out there, Leon. I could never do that. That would really scare me. Maybe that's God calling me to test my comfort zone. I don't know. I'd find that hard. But those people on that bus would have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus presented to them with words that they could hear in their ears. And so there's a conversation starting. So for so many more of us, it will be a conversation from someone in family, someone that we admire, someone in our friendship network. Um, You know, Natalie's getting baptized uh, at the end of August, but that's because she's connected by, she's a sister of Yasmin. And and these things run in families and they run in friendships. We have conversations going on all the time. And I want to put it to you that it's a chat that starts the sequence to our journey to being a follower of Jesus. And on top of that, you can chat with Jesus at any time. You can chat to Jesus 24-7. He never grows tired of it. He's got a resurrection body. And I assume the laws of sleep and tiredness don't apply to resurrection bodies. He is available to you 24-7, 365. You can ask him anything. You can tell him anything that's on your mind. You can talk to Jesus. In fact, the core of the Christian faith is a relationship with Jesus that is based on dialogue. Are you, are you with me? Are you following this? It is a, a conversation. You know, religion is self-effort striving to meet some kind of moral standard. 
relationship is Jesus coming from heaven, making up for our shortfall in moral standards, and, and introducing us to himself and to God and to the Spirit through relationship. That's the nature of the Christian faith. We don't do anything to kind of earn that. He just wants to chat with us. Okay. Do you know what the fancy word for chat is in Christianese, in the Christian world? Chloe told me this, and I was so pleased last night. It's prayer. It's prayer. Talking to God, chatting with God, is praying. That's all it is. So when you pray, you are saying what's on your mind to God. You know, one of the really nice things about being a pastor is just catching a few people before the service and getting around and, and having a chance to say hi and stuff. And actually, I had a chance to pray with two people today in a way that I was really blessed to be able to do. And that's us getting together and both chatting to God about things that are on our minds or on their minds and, and me coming alongside that in that conversation. We all have an opportunity uh, to chat to Jesus at any time. You don't have to climb a tree to do it. You just go right ahead and start talking. So, second, so first one is a chat. The second one is a choice. Zacchaeus receives Jesus gladly, you'll notice in this story, but not everybody does. Not everybody does uh, receive Jesus with joy and with gladness. And the Bible's quite honest about that. You know, I don't really hold with these people who say, well, the Bible's trying to brainwash you into things. No, it doesn't. It's actually pretty objective and pretty clear about the range of choices that some people have to Jesus. So let me give you an example. So Zacchaeus receives Jesus kind of with joy and with gladness, and they hurry off to his house, um, and, and I guess there's eating and drinking, and, you know, this, this accusation of feasting and drinking with sinners is, is kind of got some truth to it in the sense that Jesus has gone there to spend some time with Zacchaeus and, and continue the chat. But the point is that Zacchaeus receives Jesus gladly. Now, let's rewind one chapter to Luke chapter 18, and we have another but a different response to Jesus. We have a rich young ruler who in the eyes of Jewish society would have been totally different to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was looked down upon and despised, but this rich young ruler, he was kind of like really revered and respected in the community. And he goes to Jesus and he starts the chat. And he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of has this conversation with him, and it turns out that this man is morally exemplary. He's really followed all the regulations of the Old Testament law, really done well, very good moral stance on most things except for his wealth. He has a stronghold around money. And Jesus smells it on him and detects it on him and says, right, now to deal, this is the thinking that Jesus has, to deal with this stronghold with this young man, and it's not a stronghold everybody has, hence the advice given to the rich young ruler is is specific to him, Um, we need to tackle this idol of wealth that you have by asking you to walk away from it. You need to drop the wealth, you need to just give it away and come and follow me. Now, that's not necessarily the advice that Jesus gives to every one of us, and it isn't the advice he gives to Zacchaeus. So that tells me that this was a problem that was unique, or specific, rather, to the rich young man. And so the rich young man is kind of very sad because actually Jesus has called him out. And so the chat starts with the rich young man, but when it gets to choice time, rich young man isn't going to do it. That stronghold or that idol of the wealth... It's too difficult for him to, well, certainly too difficult for him then and there to take a hold of that and take the actual, make the choice that's necessary. Now, maybe, and hopefully, we don't know this, but maybe the rich young man went away and reflected on his initial reaction and suddenly thought, wow, 
wow, Jesus really called me out on something that, you know, that, that's, that's an important decision. Do I really set that much store by my money versus a relationship with Jesus? Now, we don't know the answer to that question. It's left there hanging, isn't it, by Luke. We don't, we don't find out. So, where Zacchaeus is glad and willing, the rich young man is reluctant and actually unwilling. Let me share you, uh, with you another couple of characters from the New Testament, perhaps at the birth of the early church, maybe Acts 4, Acts 5, somewhere around there, Ananias and Sapphira. Now, they achieve some notoriety in the New Testament because they're a couple who've got some wealth as well. So, like Zacchaeus has wealth, the rich young ruler has wealth, Ananias and Sapphira have land. And they sell a field, and they take the proceeds to the church, to Peter in Acts, uh, and there's this generosity sweeping the church, and they go along, and they want to be part of what looks like a generous thing going on. Um, And so, they they kind of uh, bring this money, and they say, yeah, all of the proceeds of the field are yours, Peter. They are yours, apostles. Have them. But they're not being strictly honest. Now, they could have just been honest and said, listen, we don't feel able right now to share the whole thing. We're a bit stuck at the moment. But they go down this path of being deceitful, and they make out that it's the whole field's proceeds that are going into the church. And I'd love to be more politically correct, but actually the Holy Spirit strikes them down dead. They both keel over and die. And for those of you who know that story, you'll be used to it. Perhaps if you've never heard that story, that's a bit of a shock, because it is. You know, we say we want a New Testament church, don't we, BCC? But, like, seriously? Does that mean that if we're slightly deceitful on those, uh, on those, on those you know, benefit claims we're putting in or, 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 you know, or our tax return, that the Spirit is going to strike us down dead? Am I stepping on your toes a bit this morning, BCC? Yeah, a few grudging laughs. Yeah, I am. I know I am. Now, come on. So, what I'm trying to say is, okay, pressing you a little bit is now over. What I'm trying to say is there are a range of responses available to us and they're shown us by the Bible. And what's so appealing about the story of Zacchaeus is that he makes a choice that's willing and glad. And we get that held up in comparison with Ananias and Sapphira who makes the choice deceitfully. And then we also have the choice that's reluctant from the rich young ruler. Do you get the picture here? There's a scale, isn't there? So we have a chat and a choice. Last point to make, a change. I want to tell you about a gentleman uh, by the name of Bob, uh, Bob and Anne. Uh, he's married to Anne. And Bob, uh, we've had some baby dedications today, and it's great to see parents dedicating their children, isn't it? It's just such a wonderful and heartwarming thing to see. And when we dedicated our eldest lad, George, um, we had some godparents that we assigned. And one of them, uh, one, of this, one of the couples was Bob and Anne. And they were kind of a little bit older. And uh, their story was amazing. Bob had been an alcoholic for a long time. He won't mind me saying this story at all. He says it himself. He'd been an alcoholic a long time. And in the 60s and 70s, he drank and drank and drank and drank. And in the end, his wife Anne said, that's it. I've had enough. I'm sorry. We're not doing this relationship anymore. You are damaging me too much. You are sapping all our finances. You are a wreck. I'm sorry. It's over. And so a very, very painful breakup, and it, it, it precipitated Bob into an even more downward spiral. And then one day, he kind of got to a point where he realized, this is ridiculous. The choices I'm making are just lousy. I think he was like literally lying in a gutter, uh, blind drunk, and something inside him said, no, this is just wrong. And he took himself along to an AA meeting, and he basically started to turn his life around. And in the AA, they have a series of 12 steps. You may have heard of it. Um, And one of the steps is about 
making a change. And what's nice in this story about Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus makes a change. This is where I'm going with the story. So in the, uh, in the steps uh, in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, step number eight says this. It says, make a list of all the persons we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. And Bob went on that journey and he got dry. And I think he got dry in about 1983. And what was really beautiful about their story was a little bit later on in the 80s, Anne took him back. She could see that he was dry. She could see that, she'd made that he'd made that permanent change. And they got remarried. It, I mean, it's the most romantic story you could ever... Well, not the drinking bit and the divorce, but the remarrying and the fact that she forgave him and he'd made that definite change. She then said, no, you're the, you really were the man for me. This is the man I originally married, and now I've got him back. It's a, it's, a, it's a heartbreaker, isn't it? What a great story. And what Zacchaeus inspires us to understand or to receive is that there are some changes that he makes, and he makes them quite quickly. We get the impression from Luke's account that it's in the same day. He is right on those changes, and he wants to make them because he's so impressed with the person of Jesus. So when we have a chat with Jesus, that often leads to a choice, and then that leads to some changes. And that, in essence, is the whole of the Christian faith in three words. A chat, a choice, and a change. Say it with me again. A chat, a choice, and a change. Great stuff. Thank you, Fitz. I heard your voice the loudest there. Then I'll ask the worship team to come on back up and start to play uh, just as we uh, come into land on my message. So Zacchaeus makes some big changes in his life. He gives away half of his stuff, returns his goods to the poor. And what's also good is that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. And so can you imagine, you know, have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed for a senior person in an organization? Like, Lord, would you put a Christian as the chairman of Birmingham uh, City Council? Would you put a, you know, like a Christian leader at the head of Jaguar Land Rover? Would you put a, a, a key Christian figure in this position of influence? We sometimes pray that, don't we? Because we hope that it makes a change from the top. And in fact, Zacchaeus' story is exactly this. Uh, there is a change made at the top because he has a whole load of sort of underling tax collectors underneath him. The Greek word for chief tax collector is unique in all of Greek. It only appears here in Luke 8. Uh, sorry, Luke 19. Beg your pardon. And it's Architelones. And it's, uh, it's basically, he's the chief tax collector. And so he's changed now. And I want you to just grab hold of this, just a minute. He has changed. And so what does that mean for his organization of tax collectors underneath him? It means that they're going to start changing as well. And this is the reason why I think um, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to sort out any fraud that's been going on. It's not that he's kind of forgotten it or he's kind of wanting to fudge it. He wants it brought to his attention that if he or any of the people working for him have been involved in defrauding somebody, he wants to make restitution in accordance with the Old Testament law that says, actually, if that happens, you need to pay for back four times the amount. So actually, Zacchaeus' journey is one about stepping back into the Mosaic law and actually becoming a true son of Abraham again. And did you know this? This is a really nice point. Zacchaeus means pure. And we were, we were praying today for some kids to be blessed in their journey in the Lord. And you can imagine Zacchaeus' mum and dad, you know, christening him and calling him pure after the, the uh, Hebrew word for pure. And then kind of slowly getting more and more disappointed with their son as he goes off into the world of tax collecting and lining his own nest. And then Jesus comes along and restores Zacchaeus, and there's a purity returns to who, Jesus, uh, who Zacchaeus is because of the encounter. That's a lovely thing, isn't it? BCC, would you stand with me?